Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we are glad to be in your house today, and Lord, I'm thankful for uh, the truth and song that we just heard, what a blessing that is, and God, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word, that you'd use this to be a, a time of growth in our walk with you, Lord, that this would minister exactly uh, to whom it needs to minister to. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to begin by talking about something that I know all of us know to be true if we have ever spent much time with kids, and that would be this, is that they have the ability to have a pretty vivid and wild imagination at times. You know that to be the case, do you not? Just listening to kids and what they have conjured up in their minds to be true, what they have conjured up in their minds to be fact. Sometimes it can be pretty wild. Sometimes it can be pretty outlandish. And while that's cute sometimes, and while it's okay in different occasions, I think we would also agree with this, that sometimes those kids need to be brought back to reality. You know, we need to tell them, hey, hey, listen, Superman is neat, but you are not Superman. Okay, uh, that, that's a great story. I'm glad you were able to come up with all that in your mind, but that's just not a true story. You're not trying to crush the kid. You're not trying to destroy the child. You're just saying to them, listen, that is not reality. As that is so, I want us to think about this, and I'm sure I've touched on this at some point in the past, but I want us to think about this, that sometimes we as adults are pretty good at having a pretty wild and vivid imagination. I hope all of us are hearing this because this is true. We are at times as adults guilty of having a pretty wild and vivid imagination. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I, again, I know I've talked about this before, but, but there are times that I will find myself lost in thought, and then I say to myself, where in the world did all that come from? I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm experiencing this, I've gone here, I've said this, and, and it's like, son, that sounds exciting, but that just isn't true. And so sometimes we as adults, we need to be brought back to reality just like a child needs to be brought back to reality. We need to be told, yeah, that sounds fun, that sounds exciting, but it's just not true. And, and again, you need to get back to what is truth. You need to get back to what is reality. And I say that this morning to say this, that sometimes that process of creating certain realities in our minds that are not true, sometimes that happens in our spiritual lives as well. Sometimes we have come up with things in our minds as it relates to spiritual issues, and we have concluded this, this is the truth, these are the facts when we may be completely, entirely wrong, and we need to be told that's not right, that is wrong. And so this morning, I don't know how many this message will help. I don't know how many will be able to make some application to your personal life by what's going to be said. I know this message is a little different. I know that this is not how I would normally present a message but I think there's some merit to it. I believe there is some merit to it. 
And so with all that said, I want us to turn again this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. You may say to yourself, well, isn't that where we were last week? The answer to that question would be yes, that's where we were last week. But I simply could not get away from this passage, and I could not get away from these thoughts as I studied this week. So again, I hope this will be a help to whomever needs the help. And if this is not something you struggle with, then the Lord bless you. But I think it is something some of us struggle with on occasion. So Hebrews 11 is where we're going to be this morning. And I want to begin by saying this, that, that, and I know that you know this, but, but Hebrews 11 is what I have and what many others have referred to at different times. It is a hall of fame of people who exemplified faith. That is what Hebrews 11 could be described as and, and is described as by so many it is a hall of fame for those who exemplified an extraordinary measure of faith. Now, I want us to think about that thought for just a moment, a hall of fame. Think of that, a hall of fame. I know that you know this, that there are hall of fames for so many different categories of life, right? Yeah. You have the Hall of Fame for football. You have the Hall of Fame for, for basketball, for, for all these different sporting events. You've got the Cowboy Hall of Fame, a Firefighters Hall of Fame. I mean, there are so many different areas of life where there are halls of fame. Again, commemorating and remembering the extraordinary works of an individual. And I don't know if you think like me, but here is what I think whenever I think of a Hall of Fame of anything. Well, there is another category of people I'll not be associated with. Right? I enjoyed playing sports as a kid and as a young person. I don't care at what level they want to establish a Hall of Fame for sports I am confident I will not be inducted. Not little league, not junior high, not high school, certainly not anything past that. I'm just not a part of that field. If there was a Hall of Fame for academic achievement and, and academic success, let me just tell you, I don't assume they're looking over my resume saying, I wonder if we should induct him. Because academically, like so many, I was just glad to get through. So I look at all these areas of Hall of Fame and I say to myself, well, that's another group I'll not be a part of. And so then what happens? I come to Hebrews chapter 11 and someone long before me said, this is the Hall of Fame of faith. Someone who exemplified an extraordinary measure of faith in their lives. And you know what I say to myself? Well, there's another group of people I'll never be associated with. Because that is not a hall of fame. That is not an avenue of life where I have excelled and accomplished great things. 
And so as I was thinking about that this week, I I was thinking about who is listed in this chapter. It begins in verse number four, and we're just going to read through a little bit of this just to try to get us started in our thoughts. But in verse number four, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. In verse number five, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. In verse number seven, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And as you read through the rest of the chapter, here is what you've got. You've got people like Abraham mentioned, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and then an untold number of others who just, in a sense, kind of receive an honorable mention. But we have these people listed specifically as people of faith. As that is so, these who are identified as people of faith, I thought to myself, who didn't get in? that maybe I would have put them in if I had been given a chance to give some names. What about an Elijah? What about an Elisha who had a double portion of the blessing of Elijah on his life? You can't help but think of someone like Daniel, can you? If you think of somebody who exemplified great faith. You have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You have Jeremiah. You have Isaiah. You have... You have so many people, and maybe they're a part of that untold number or unnamed number of folks. But, but again, these are the ones you have. And for myself, at least, I wrestle with this idea or with this thought. I could never be associated with that group of people. And so as I was putting all this together in my mind and trying to to make sense of all this, there was something that I realized, and again, I hope this is a help to us. It may not be, but I hope that it is. But there was something that I realized about at least a few of these people, and that is this, is that they are listed not because they were hoping to one day be in a category like this, but they were listed simply because they lived in obedience to God's will for their lives. Think about this, if you would. Go back to verse number four. It just says this. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and God God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now, Now here's my point of Abel. 
He did not wake up and say to himself, I am going to offer a more excellent sacrifice than my brother so that one day in the future when someone is compiling a list of all the people who have exemplified great faith, maybe, just maybe then, I'll be considered for that list. No, the reason that Abel was a part of this list for whatever reason by name was in part because he just made the determination and he just came to this conclusion in his life, I will live in obedience to God's will today. I was thinking of Enoch. We don't know a whole lot of Enoch, do we? We really don't. We just know what it says a little bit in the Old Testament, but what did we read in verse number 5? That by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What does it boil down to for the life and the testimony of Enoch? It boils down to this. He just did what was right. How did Enoch find himself into this category of of people of great, incredible, exemplary faith? How was he identified as one of those individuals? By just every day, choosing to do what was right, what was expected of him. I know we just read the verse, but I want us to think about it again. Look in verse number 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which or by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. How did Jonah or Noah find himself? How did Noah become one of these people who is identified as a man of great faith. God said, build an ark. And you know what Noah did? He said, okay, I'll build an ark. I'll build an ark for a rain that is to come that no one would understand, that no one would be able to comprehend. It seems irrational. It seems illogical. This seems absolutely nuts to build something so great for an event that nobody could conceive in their mind. But, but Noah, just in simple obedience to God's will for his life, found himself eventually one day listed among the greats. I don't know about you, but I think whenever we read through the story of Joseph, again, who is one of the characters that is mentioned. Joseph did not resist temptation because he thought one day it would increase his chances to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He didn't didn't decide to flee that temptation of, of sin, and he didn't choose to forgive his brothers for what they had done to him because he was looking to be a part of this group. He was just doing what was right. And because it was the right thing to do, his testimony is forever honored in this chapter. Now again, we could go through some of these names and just say this person and this person and this person and this person. What marked their lives were this or was this. They just lived in obedience. That's what made them a person of great faith. 
But there's something else within this chapter that I see that can be somewhat confusing to the mind if we just take a, a logical, rational approach to this. It could be a little bit confusing, I think, to many of us as to why this person was listed by name, but maybe not the people that we would have included. So what do you mean? I just mean this. Abraham has a pretty good testimony in a lot of ways, right? He does. He has a pretty good testimony in a lot of ways. But what did he do on a couple of occasions in relation to his wife, Sarah? He lied about their status for what reason? To protect himself. It had nothing to do to protect her. It had nothing to do with anything other than, I need to save my own hide. So let's lie about this relationship, Sarah. Wherever this takes you, I don't know. I'm just worried about me. Let me ask you something, folks. If, if your spouse wanted to lie about your relationship just to protect them, would you look at them and say, man, aren't you a person of faith? Okay, I'm just saying it wouldn't be the, the testimony of us. All right, me and Susie. If I said, hey, babe, just lie about who you are. We're just sisters and brother, and, and we're just, you know, that, that's our relationship. And, and why are we doing this? To protect me? I don't think she'd be too impressed with my testimony in that moment. So what did Abraham have? He, he had a little bit of integrity issues that we would say were somewhat significant. You say, okay, well, what about Isaac? Well, he struggled with the same thing with his wife. What about Jacob? He was known as a conniving or conniving individual, right? He, he, he struggled with integrity even worse than Abraham and Isaac. Jacob did not have a good reputation or a good testimony. Think about Rahab. She was a prostitute, and she's listed in this group of people of faith. And it wasn't like a, a one-time situation where, where she was a prostitute. No, this was a lifestyle that she had lived. And, and she's listed among these people of faith. That's kind of astounding to me if you think about it. Samson is listed in this list of people of great faith. The last thing any of us should aspire to be would be Samson. You know, I just want to be an immoral, ungodly individual who lives life according to my fleshly desires. That, that's really not how the Christian ought to aspire to live. And David, who is mentioned? What was he? He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a failed father. He was a failed husband, and so many other things. Now, what's my point? My point is this. You can look at one category of people, and you can see of their lives that, that they didn't go through life trying to enter into this Hall of Fame. This wasn't that they were something they were shooting for or something they were aspiring to. They, they just found themselves in this position with this honor by simple obedience to God's will, and yet you have others who obviously failed on multiple occasions, and they're listed. Why is that? Here's about the only thing that I can determine, and if this 
bothers some, I apologize, but if it helps some, that's fantastic. But again, here's about the only thing that I can determine is this, is Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us of this, that their sin did not define them their entire lives. Their sin, their failures, their shortcomings, wherever they missed the mark, God did not forever hold that against them. In spite of whatever sins they had committed, they were still able to be restored and be classified as an individual of great faith. Whether an adulterer, whether a murderer, whether a prostitute, or whatever their past may have been. So we hear all that, and you're saying, okay, well, that's fine, that's great, but so far you've yet to really stimulate the thought or the mind this morning, okay? Well, I I want us to think about this. How many of us would love to be identified as a person of great faith? I'm just telling you, that's what I would like to be identified as. I think it would be a wonderful thing, and I know they're not, But I'm just saying, if they were still adding to Hebrews chapter 11, I think it'd be a wonderful thing if one day it said, by faith, Kyle, X, Y, and Z. I mean, who would say, oh, that sounds terrible? Nobody in their right mind would say that sounds terrible. No, I would say to you that that's what I think would be fantastic if it could be said of me. And and I think you should say that that would be a wonderful honor if it could be said of you that by faith and put your name there, you did these things. But, But let's think about this. Here's what happens. Sometimes in our minds, we come up with this spiritual thought that though it is false, it has become reality to us. And by that, I mean this. We come to this conclusion that I could never be listed as one of those types of people. I could never be listed in the same sentence as these types of people, as as a man or a woman of great faith. And this morning, I want to remind us of this that such thinking is not true, that such thinking is false, and you and I have the ability to be categorized with the people or to be classified in the same category as the people of Hebrews 11. Now, again, you don't seem too excited about that, and I understand, maybe not the most thrilling of thoughts right now, but I want us to see this. You, if it was still being written, you and I could be included in Hebrews 11. Somebody says, well, how in the world could that possibly take place? Brother Kyle, I'm not one of those people. All right. Here's one way in which we could be classified with the folks of Hebrews 11. Just be obedient to God's will for your life. Thank you for that overwhelming response. Think about this. What got Abel into Hebrews 11? Obedience. What got Enoch into Hebrews 11? Obedience. What got Noah into Hebrews 11? Simple obedience. What got Joseph into Hebrews 11? It was nothing more than obedience. 
See, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes here's what I do. I underestimate the value of my obedience to God's will for my life. I, I look at what I'm doing and I think, well, that's not very important. That's not very significant. That doesn't have a lot of value to it. And, and, and there's just not much to, to celebrate in what it is I'm doing. No, hold on. If I am living a life of obedience, then there is great value to that, and there is great worth to that, and that is something to celebrate and to be excited about, just being obedient to God's will for my life, and you being obedient to God's will for your life. Again, these people who... who for lack of better words, we might say, for those who did it right, they weren't looking to do it right for what they could get out of it one day by way of recognition. They were just doing it right because it was right. And they were honored for it. I'm just saying, I've got to get in my mind, and maybe some of you need to get in your mind, that there is some value and there is some worth in you being obedient in the simplest daily task that you are called upon to engage in. See, the truth of the matter is this, is you and I have no idea what God is accomplishing in our lives through simple obedience. Someone says, well, it's just not impressive. It's just not a big deal. I don't think Joseph was overly impressed with his life as he was living in the dungeon there in the king's palace. I don't think he was looking at that saying, man, there is great value. But what did God later do? God later revealed the value of that. I'm just saying, you and I, we don't know what God is doing through our acts of obedience if we're being obedient. So how could I possibly be associated with these type of people? How could I possibly be classified as one of those types? Here's how it could happen. You choosing to be obedient today. Get it out of your mind that you couldn't be because you could be. You may not be listed by name. You may just get one of those honorable mentions where you're classified with a bunch of other unnamed individuals. I'm just saying if we'll get it out of our head that we couldn't be one of those people, we can begin to realize if I'll just live in obedience, I could be. But there's something else we need to realize and understand the truth and the reality of it if we would like to be included in this Hebrews chapter 11 type of persons. We've got to understand this, that our sins do not have to define us forever. How many of us can remember all the things or many of the things that we think would disqualify us from being a part of this. 
I mean, some of us, we could go back to our childhood and say, man, I know what kind of a kid I was. I know what kind of a teenager I was. I know what kind of a young adult I was. I know what kind of a, of a husband I was and what kind of a father I was, what kind of a, a wife and a mother I was. I know what kind of a person I was. I know what I did when I was in that backslidden condition. And because of all those things, I could never be a part of the Hebrews chapter 11 group. I think Rahab would say, uh, I disagree. I was a prostitute, and I got listed in here somehow. I think Samson would step up and say, hey, listen, I don't know what you did, but I'm pretty sure it pales in comparison to what I did. I killed thousands of people and, and I had immoral relationships and, and I sought after the ungodly and, and there's almost nothing positive about what I did, but, but that did not define who I am. I think Samson, not Samson, but I think David would step up and say, listen, I committed murder so that I could have someone else's wife. Uh, I, I think my sin would trump your sin. But see, until we realize that all those sins that, that we can remember, until we realize that that does not define who we have to be, we'll never realize what we can be in our relationship with God and our testimony with man. I don't know if this is true of everyone, but it's not only my memory that sometimes works against me. Sometimes it's the accuser that likes to remind me of things I'd love to forget. You know, maybe I'd forgotten about this. Maybe I'd forgotten about this. Maybe I hadn't thought about that in months or years. But it's like Satan just wants to come to me and say, Don't you remember this? Don't you remember that? Don't, don't you remember? I mean, surely you're not going to get past this, are you? You could never be one of them based upon your past. We've got to be reminded that's not truth. That is a make-believe world that we have created. The truth of the matter is this. Our past and our sins do not have to define us. They will only define who we become in Christ if we choose to let those sins define us. So you read through Hebrews chapter 11, what do you see? You see a lot of names of people who, who exemplified and who lived this, this great life of faith. And some of us are quick to say, that's in, it's incredible, that's wonderful, but I'll never be one of them. I just want you to know you can be. So, Brother Kyle, that seems pretty bold. That seems pretty arrogant. No, I'm just saying all of us can be. If we choose today to live in faith. If we choose today to live in obedience. And if we choose today to not let our past define who we are. You may not struggle with this. You may have all this squared away in your mind. You may say, Brother Kyle, I got victory in that area a long time ago. That's good. Some haven't. Some are still haunted by the past. Some are still 
so guilt-ridden for things they've done in the past that they have defeated themselves and convinced themselves I could never be one of them. Scripture seems to indicate all of us can be if we choose to be in one fashion or another. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning, Lord. I, as I said a moment ago, I don't begin to know who could be helped by this. I don't know who struggles with, with thoughts of this nature at different times in their lives. Lord, I know for myself, sometimes obedience just doesn't seem to have a lot of worth to it. It seems like the, the effort to be obedient is just a, a matter of spinning the wheels, so to speak, and nothing's really being accomplished. And God, if there's anyone in here who can identify with that thought, I pray that you would help us today to realize the value and the worth of obedience. It may not seem too impressive right now, but on the other side of eternity, it could be extremely important. And Lord, there could be some here this morning, I don't know, but there could be some here this morning who go through their Christian life with a constant cloud of guilt over them because of past sins committed. Lord, would you remind us today that those sins do not have to define us unless we choose to let them do so. I pray that we get victory in that area. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.